Welcome to the Average Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Coyne, here with Brian Duff. And special guest today is none other than starting strength coach, uh, strength athlete extraordinaire. Ex-strength <laughs> uh, ex- <laughs> ex- athlete. Uh, Matt Reynolds. So, uh, Matt, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on the show, okay. guys. Appreciate uh, it. So, Matt right now is uh, head of um, starting strength online coaching, and that's a um, relatively new thing. How long has it been up and running, Matt? We launched December 1st, 2016. Right on. And uh, how's it going so far? It's been, it's been ridiculous. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. We just tons of, t- yeah, it grew far faster than we ever expected. Yeah. Very good. Sure. Um, so we want to talk today, mostly there's, um, this has become a, becoming a bigger and bigger thing, especially in fitness is, is online coaching. You see, um, tons of people out there doing it. Some people qualify, not so much, but, um, you know, we really want to talk about the, the big differences between starting strength online coaching and, and all the other products out there because we, um, we really do believe and we can prove that it is it is the best product of its kind on the market, no doubt. So, um, Matt, we'll throw it over to you. So, what um, what would you say is the, the biggest difference uh, between starting strength online coaching and a, and a typical online coaching product? Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for this. It feels like a, like a commercial for starting strength online. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest uh, difference between us and everybody else is that we actually coach. And so, you know, as we define coaching in starting strength, we say that coaching is the ability to get your client, your lifter, your athlete to move the way you want them to move based on a model. And most online coaching or what is called online coaching is typically online programming. It's just a program. And the problem is, is that if you can do any program, I mean, there, there's lots of decent programs out there. And, and the starting strength program, we, we completely and totally believe in the, in the novice progression, the novice program, linear progression. Um, but there's lots of, lots of good programs out there and programs that are appropriate for different levels of, gracious, different levels of um, advancement. And uh, the difference for us is that we actually watch uh, every single heavy set that you do in the gym and break that down within 24 hours by an actual certified starting strength coach. And so, um, the, the two big pieces of this are there, there's just a handful of places that you can get a starting strength coach to do online coaching. We have over four, over 40 starting strength coaches that work for us. I believe there's 125 total. So about a third of the starting strength coaches work for us. And, uh, and we, we watch your videos and break them down just like you're coaching in, in real life. Uh, the only difference is, is that we can't do it in real time. And so the degradation is from real time to session to session. So that's really the thing that separates us. Yeah. Uh, forgive the background noise. Uh, Bill's mm-hmm. getting set up for the starting strength seminar here. That's uh, why we're here. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Matt's, Matt's in town for the seminar here this weekend. Um, so I guess uh, talking about the kinds of people that are part of SSOC, um, who do you have? You know, like, is it uh, good for beginners, for advanced sure. athletes? Like, who's, who, um, who are you really looking to work with through SSOC? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. I, I would guess that the normal uh, clientele for online coaching industry-wide tends to be somebody probably in their 20s or early 30s um, who are looking for just a basic program. And for us, uh, our, our, we're looking for people who are trying to get strong first, strong and healthy first. And aesthetics is a byproduct of that performance, right? Not aesthetics first. And everybody wants to look better. That's obviously, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better. But when it's the sole purpose, what you do, um, that's not what we do. That's very shallow. And I, I don't know that I could live in a, where that my primary job was just to get somebody to look as good as they can on the beach. And so um, I think because of that, because that's the kind of primary 
um, philosophy of training that we have, then our demographic tends to skew a little bit older. Now we have, we have clients as young as I think 16 is our youngest client right now. And we have a handful of teenagers and and we've got a bunch of people in their twenties, but, but we have a bunch of people in their thirties and forties and we have quite a few people in their fifties and sixties as well. And so I think our oldest client is, is 78 or something. Yeah. So, so we tend to skew a little older and I think it's because you've got a little bit more mature of an audience and honestly, just, just being straight up, uh, you know, most online coaching systems, uh, which again is just a program is a cookie cutter program that you pay 50 bucks a month for. And that's something that 20 year olds can afford. And ours is more in the $200 range. And, and that's something that most 22 year olds can't afford. And so, uh, we tend to get more of a kind of normal middle class, um, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds, people who are kind of, uh, in that sort of demographic because they can afford it and they're settled and they understand the importance of, of performance, based training over aesthetics. And so that's what we do. Do you think also being older allows you to be mature enough to kind of hear the, you know, message of just, you know, it's, it's just a linear progression. You just got to do hard work, you know, that kind of. Yeah. Simple... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's a good question. I, t- I, I, we joke a lot and, and, um, I take a lot of crap about, uh, about my opinion of millennials. And, and the reality is that millennials are, that is a mindset, not an actual demographic group, right? So it's not exactly, so I'm not saying like I can't stand 20 year old kids um, because there's a lot, we've got, we've got a handful that are incredible at SSOC. Uh, but certainly there is a greater percentage of people in their 20s who don't know how to work hard mm-hmm. and who don't know how to receive coaching who are um, quick to get their feelings hurt when you tell them what is wrong with their squat and how to fix their squat. And a 40-year-old executive doesn't do that, right? He, he hires you for the purpose of tell me what's wrong with my squat, tell me what's wrong with my deadlift, and fix it. Um, and I'm looking to move that direction. Whereas I, it, it seems like a lot of our younger demographic tend to really just, they actually want to be coddled and hugged. And, and so like, you know, because we're business people and we're trying to make our clients happy, like we do probably spend a little more time trying to make sure that you feel it out. It's just like if you, you know, if you're a teacher, I was a public school teacher for years. There's, there's kids who do better with a good butt chewing and there's kids who do better when they're, when they're encouraged. And so our clientele are are the same way. You've got people that are, they they can handle a good butt chewing and uh, you know, tell them what they need to do better and, and just kind of keep it almost uh business-like and they do very well. And then we have other people that, that need some coddling and encouragement. And the other nice thing about this is, is when you sign up for SSOC, I read your questionnaire. You have to fill out a pretty in-depth questionnaire when you first sign up. Probably takes you a half an hour or so to fill out with a lot of questions and but your background and injuries and what your goals are. And then I really pour over that questionnaire and spend a lot of time focusing on who to assign you, what coach to assign you to that's going to work well for you. And so, um, you know, if certain demographics work better with certain coaches and, uh, you know, geography sometimes plays a part in that. I mean, if somebody signs up and they're, and they are, you know, one of the guys that lives here in Chicago, Carl shoot is one of my coaches and, uh, somebody signs up and they're in the Chicago area. There's a good chance that Carl shoots going to get them because mm-hmm. he's close. Um, and I do the same thing now that doesn't guarantee it. Right. So I, sometimes I get somebody that signs up and it's just the, person who needs to be their coach is so like clearly evident that they go to that person. And so I spent a lot of time there because I, you know, I, I want my turnover rate really low. And so I want to, I want to send them to coaches that I think that they would want to go out and have a beer with or a coffee with and hang out with, even if they weren't their coach. And so I think that's really important because, uh, ultimately one of the hardest things about online coaching is it is, um, by its very nature is sort of impersonal, right? And so what we're trying to do is make it as personal as possible and so as we continue to grow into this, into this bigger and bigger business for my clients, I want it to always feel small. 
Like they've got a close relationship with their coach. That's that's a lot of what we do. Yeah, and that seems to be a challenge just with with coaching in general, but especially online coaching is to be a better coach, better inform how you work with it with an athlete. Sure. You've got to know them, right? Like what motivates them? Like you talked about, some kids do better, respond better to where if you really need to be critical of them every once in a while. Some other people, well, maybe got to be a little bit softer. Um, and that's that's one of the probably one of the key differences as well. Is a lot of times there's just you know there's the the online interface that gets in the way of that sure. um, and, and ends up the program, the coaching doesn't end up as being successful or going quite as well as, uh, as right. the, as the client wants it to. My hunch is that when you guys got into it and became strength coaches, you weren't thinking that you wanted to be online strength coaches, right? Sure. Like, it's kind of the business kind of changed, but how does that change the actual profession of being a coach? Like, what is it? Yeah. Obviously I know there's all sorts of guidelines of how to film videos, but like sure. what else does it take to kind of like, that's a great question. So, uh, so first off we, we started SSOC really out of necessity, right? So for people who, uh, who, you know, your listeners know who starting strength is and, and what you guys, what starting strength is all about. And the reality is there's 125, 126, you know, by the time this launches, maybe there's 130, um, starting strength coaches, which mean if you have a starting strength coach in your town, what do you guys got three in Chicago Four? how many you got? We've got a I think five right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so if you live in Chicago, you should not be signing up for starting strength online coaching <laughs> right. yeah. because you can get an in-person coach and an in-person coach is better. But what if you don't have a coach? What if you are four hours from the nearest coach? Yeah, you're what in the middle you, of South Dakota. Yeah. What if you're in the middle of South Africa, <laughs> yeah, which so we have, yeah, right? We have yeah. I mean, 30% of our clientele is, is international clients. What do those guys do? Yeah. But we only have three or four international starting strength coaches. So, so it started out of necessity. So I went to Ripito and I said, look, I know you're not a big fan of online coaching, quote unquote, you know, air quotes, online coaching. The problem is, is what do these people do who don't have access to a starting strength coach? And if they do, so if we sell this as, look, if you live in a town that has a starting strength coach, you should go see that person. That's a better, that's a better thing. But if you don't, your next best option is we can set up a system where we have incredible quality control and standards in place. Um, uh, I have a lot of standard operating procedures and systems to make sure that lots of fail safes are built into starting strength online coaching so that nobody ever slips through the cracks and they're always responded to within 24 hours and things like that. And so I set that up and showed Ripito what it looked like. I brought up a video of a guy that was squatting on his very first day and you could see how terrible the squat was and six inches high and his knees are forward and he's on his toes. And, and then I showed him videos of the same guy squatting three weeks later and it looks like a starting strength squat. And I go, look, man, this guy has never seen a coach ever. Like everything he's done is just online. And so we could, like, we could have fixed that guy in one or two sessions in person. And it took two or three weeks to do it in online. But if they didn't have either one of those options, it would have never been fixed. Right. And so, so to bring it full circle and go back to your question there it's it's been interesting because it's changed some of our cue methods right so we learn a lot we talk about it at the, at the seminar we're here this weekend doing the seminar that we have to learn how to teach as coaches verbally verbal is kind of our primary teaching method in per, in person but also tactily and visually right online you've got it's written you've got written cues so things change when they go from the spoken word to the written word and so you have to learn how to use cues to become effective communicators. As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that, that really attracted me to Ripito in the first place. So Rip uh, is one of the most effective communicators I've ever met in both the spoken and written word, which is really, really rare if you think about it, right? A lot of people who are very good communicators verbally are not very good writers and vice versa. And so um, for us, you took a bunch of, we've got a bunch of coaches who we knew could coach in person 
but could we develop a system and tips and tricks and learn from each other and feed off each other and those sorts of things and learn how to do this in a written sort of style. Now, there are also advantages to doing online coaching that you have. There's a few that you have over in person. One, I can actually use visual cues. We've got all kinds of cool apps and stuff that we use. I can take a screenshot of your squat and the bottom of the squat, screenshot it, and I can draw on it like I'm, you know, like it's a football X's and O's, John Madden on Monday Night Football. And I can say, look, here's where your knees are here. Here's where they should be. Notice you're not bent over as far as I want. I can draw a line. This is the back angle that I want you at. So, so you, you can give them this visual cue of, so when I say bend over first thing in the squat, you know, bend over nipples to the floor, butt back knees out. This is what I'm talking about. So they can read the, the verbal cues, the written cues, and then they can see visually what they're looking for. The other thing we can do is we can watch stuff in slow motion. So we can watch it a million times. We can slow it all the way down to 0.25 speed. So as a coach in person, you get one shot at seeing that rep. You saw the rep in real time. You've got to have a good eye. It's one of the things that makes it hard to be a starting string coach. But, uh, you know, on, the, on, on online, we're able to slow it down. If Sometimes you see stuff, you're like, man, something's weird about this rep. And you can watch it 20 times in a row if you want to at 0.25 speed and figure it out. And Has that changed how you guys do the seminars? No, not really, because ultimately people that are here at the seminar. So I, I've staffed the seminars since 2010. Um, man, I've done a ton of these seminars. I, I, I think uh, Tom Campitelli and I have done more than anybody else has, but really... How often do you have them? Every two months? No, no, no. More often than that. More, at least once a month. I think we do about 14 or 15 a year, so a little more than one a month, and all over the United States, and uh, you know, we have 25 or 30 people come in, depending on how big the gym is, you know, sellouts, 25 to 30, it almost always sells out, and we are we have two, two kind of primary focuses in the seminar. So the first is for people who attend the seminar that just want to learn then we, we can teach them about the lifts and the model and the method and the theory and the physics and all those sorts of things. It's just like incredible weekend of like just massive amounts of content. And you get to lift under the bar with starting strength coaches walking you through every step along the way. So that's, that's kind of the first piece. The second piece is there will be a handful of coaches here this weekend who are trying to become starting strength coaches. And those coaches will also receive all the same thing that everybody else does, only that those attendees will also be evaluated on the platform. And so we start to evaluate them. So it's pretty intense. So it's basically you, we introduce you to a stranger, you show up, um, you know, we walk through the Friday night to tonight, we're going to walk through the physics and the, how to be a good coach. And, and we talk about all those cues and things like that. And then tomorrow we'll go through the squat and then we go to the platform and we introduce you to a stranger, somebody you've never met before. And you have to teach them how to squat like they've never done it before from the very beginning. And the whole time you're doing that, a guy like me is standing on the platform with a clipboard and a grading sheet and I'm watching everything you do and I'm making notes and it's, you know, it's, I'm sure it's real nervous. I mean, it was, I did it. I remember doing it back in 2000. 10, I think January, 2010 was when I did it. It was nerve wracking. It was, it was stressful. And, but, uh, you know, the good coaches rise to the challenge. You can't, we're not here to make coaches. So when we do these seminars, we are here to identify already good coaches. You know, I can't go to a weekend seminar on how to be a, a classical piano player and be done and get the certificate that says, congratulations. Now I'm a classical piano player. I don't know how to play the piano. I can't learn how to do this in three days. So that's, that's really the, the focus. So everybody gets the content. Everybody gets to learn. But then also some people are evaluated as coaches. And yes, certainly we walk through what um, what effective, efficient cueing and coaching looks like. But it's focused around real-time things. And so and part of that is just because the online stuff is new. And so um, mm -hmm. I've done online full-time now for two years. 
starting with online coaching for a year. And so we've really written the system. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I've just, that's the thing that I, that I can bring to the table probably better than anybody else in the business. There are lots of people that could do this. And the thing that I'm able to contribute is that I'm able to, to lay out systems and standard operating procedures, which are extremely boring to write, but that when put into motion makes the business run really, really smooth. And so we've been able to do that in the online coaching world. And, and we've just got a, a great kind of system that works. I love it when I watch the system. We, you know, we, we've got a system where um, every coach is on a team of, of four or five or six other coaches. And so if that coach maybe is flying on an airplane that day, again, like everybody that came in, uh, the vast majority of coaches that are here this weekend, or, or, or they work at SSOC as well. You know, so they can reach out to the team and say, hey, I'm on an airplane all day. I don't have I don't have Internet access. I can't break down videos. I can't respond to questions. The team then picks up the slack. The team of the other coaches pick nice. up the slack for that coach. So that if a question comes in or if a video comes in, their clients still get responded to in a timely manner. And so that's one of the things that's really made this thing work. And so if you go on vacation or you're whatever in different time zones or you're sick, I mean, sometimes they just reach out like I'm dying. You know, I had the flu and I can't, I'm just dying to even get, and the team picks up the slack. We had a, we had a coach um, yesterday who, whose stepdad um, passed away and the team that everybody just rallied around the coach and picked up the slack and everything it was like, it never even slowed down. So it's worked well. Cool. All right. So then, uh, Matt, you also host a uh, podcast called Barbell Logic, right? With us, yeah. uh, uh, starting strength coach Scott Hambrick. Yep. Um, and that's been, you've been doing that for what, about three months now? Let's see. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's probably about right. I mean, okay. we've been doing it for a lot longer, but just like you guys, we put a bunch in the can first, right? So yeah. the idea yeah. was I didn't want to fall behind. So we record it. We've been doing it for, gosh, we've probably been doing it for eight or nine months yeah, now. There's about 25, yeah, 30 episodes tw- yep, right now. 25th yeah. episode okay. launched this morning. Okay, so. right on. Yeah. Um, anything more you want to say about that? Kind of what's, uh, what are you guys doing? Over yeah. Our, I mean, that? so one of the things I think was important that we tried to accomplish with Barbell Logic, again, like you can go on the, you can go on podcast, fitness, pod, there are hundred thousands of fitness podcasts. Every single power lifter has his own podcast. That's right. <laughs> right. So the question is, what are you going to bring to the table? I think that's an important question to ask with anything. I mean, same thing for you guys. And we talked a little bit about what you're trying to do here. And one of the most important things to do in, in podcasts and business and anything is how are you going to be different? I mean, how are you going to stick out? There's this, like it's just this enormous amount of, uh, you're just going to get lost in the, in the fray if you don't. And so for us, what we want to do is create a systematic, progressive, methodical approach to strength training. So we started at the absolute very beginning. Our very first episode was why strength? Like, why are we even getting strong, right? And then how do we get strong? Or like, what is strength, right? And how do we get strong? And what lifts get us strong? And why do we do them this way? And then we've continued to progress further and further down the road so that everything is kind of the systematic, logical progression so that now 25 episodes in, we are starting to get into intermediate sort of training. And then we'll move to advanced sort of training. We've done supplemental lifts. We've done accessories. And then what we're doing right now is we, we have content episodes that come out on Tuesday, every Tuesday morning, and we have interviews that come out every Friday. And so it's a content episode on Thursday and then, or Tuesday and then, and then, uh, interviews on Friday and back and forth. And so, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. The numbers have been incredible. Like, I mean, way, way, way higher than we expected. And so we're, we get a lot of, uh, a lot of, for lack of a better term, fan mail, sort of fan email, um, and it's, it blows me away, man. I just can't believe it. So for whatever reason, it's, it's rung true. Uh, a big piece of that is, is my, is my partner, Scott Hambrick. The guy is, is insanely smart. Uh, he's got an IQ of about 150. And, uh, and we just, for whatever reason, we've got good. Is chemistry. that a PR on his IQ? Do you know? It, yeah, it's a PR. It's a PR. <laughs> Way higher than mine. Um, yeah, we just, I think we just got good connection back and forth and, and really the, you know, this kind of morphed out of, this is kind of what we do anyway. Like Scott and I sit around and sip whiskey and talk about training and, and we talk about things like voluntary hardship and we, you know, and, uh, and we even talked about like, um, 
intellectual linear progression, like how we can progress that way. Yeah. And so it's a big piece of what we do. So it's, it's, it's started as a pure strength thing. There's, there's some lifestyle stuff in there too. Um, you know, we're, we're guys that certainly aren't perfect, but, um, we've lived a, a blessed life and we're husbands and dads and, and fairly successful businessmen. And so, um, I think for me, I, I didn't, couldn't care less about whatever, accolades or fame or whatever we get from the podcast for me it was more of a of this i've i've got all this stuff in my head i've done this strength training thing for like over 20 years for 20, 20 i think 22 or 23 years now and i just wanted to get some stuff down on record so something happened to me i want my kids to be able to go back and my grandkids to be able to go back and say this is what dad was about this is what he believed and so i think that's why some of that lifestyle stuff is starting to creep in you know and so man we, we've interviewed um 81 year old ladies that barbell train we just interviewed a guy who's got stage four kidney cancer he's had chemotherapy for two straight years and continue to lift through it and get stronger and not lose weight. I mean, just, it's just, and these, these are important things. They're so much more important than, uh, being a 17 year old kid and trying to make you know, the starting offensive tackle on, on your high school team. Not right. that that's not real important for that guy. It is. Um, but man, there's some big life, life stuff. Like the guy that we interviewed with cancer, he has stayed alive because he continued to do strength training. Yeah. And the 81 year old lady is not in a nursing home because she does strength training. Like, you know, that stuff matters. And so we walk through that in Barbell Logic and, and we're real proud of it for sure. Yeah. You guys are doing a really great job, which is awesome for everyone except for us because it's making our job here a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's really great. You definitely are filling a need of, uh, of, of not just your experience, but definitely the experience of just someone coming at it from strength training and why sure. strength is important. Yep. And all of these things that Rip actually does a really good job of uh, articulating all his books about like stronger people are harder to kill is obviously the quote everyone likes to put on t-shirts and that's great, but like a really great explanation of why it's better to be stronger just in yep. general. And those yep. are, those are the people you're talking to and everything you're doing is really making that case and really selling it to people, just the general population who may think that they should just go out there and jog up the hill every once in a while and that's what they need to do to make themselves healthier when actually this is a different approach altogether. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we just found that strength. You know, the big thing for me is that we want to show people the refining power of voluntary hardship. And, the, and so that's kind of the why behind the how, right? The refining power of voluntary hardship is the why. The how of how we do that is strength training. Like, there are other things that you can do that are, that are hard, that are voluntarily hard, that will also refine you. But what we have found is that strength training is the most general of those things and works for everybody. Like it works for everybody. And so there are other things that people do. I mean, certainly, you know, there are people who have trained or, or, you know, running marathons or other things that certainly have refined them mentally and as a person because it's because of this voluntary hardship idea. Um, you know, I get up super early every morning, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I go to bed really, really early as well. And those things are hard and they've refined me as well. But not everybody can get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, but everybody can squat. I mean, if you're not in a wheelchair, you can squat. And even if you are in a wheelchair, there's things you can do to get stronger. And so for us, strength is this thing that is the how that helps people understand the refining process of voluntary hardship. So that's really ultimately what we're trying to do. Excellent. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being a guest on here. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Any, any uh, final remarks there, Matt? <laughs> I've talked the whole time. So, no, you want to follow us? Like, again, Barbell Logic is the podcast. Starting Strength Online Coaching is the business. StartingStrengthOnlineCoaching.com. We can Google us. I'm Reynolds Strong on all the social medias and uh, Barbell Logic or at SS Online Coach. Reach out, say, hey, um, you know, tell us uh, what you're thinking and how you, how, you know, what you like about the uh, podcast, this one as well. Any questions about online coaching, I'm happy to answer and form checks and things like that. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Average Strength. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Duff. I'm joined here by Spencer Irvin. 
Bill Coyne, and the one and only Mr. Mark Ripito. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, it's great. To now, what do you kids want to talk about today? Well, you and I already solved race before we got on the podcast. <laughs> so no, I, think t- I think we touched on it briefly. I don't think we solved anything. But. All right. Well, uh, so I, th- <laughs> I think we could leave that off. We can start somewhere else. All right. Uh, well, thanks for coming up to Chicago. Uh, this is great. You're here for the seminar that Bill's hosting and Spencer's hosting at the And gym. for the first snow of this winter. Yeah, that's, that's right. Nice. Yeah, yeah we, we, one incher today. I don't know if you know this, but yesterday was uh, tied for the record low on this date. What was it? It got down to five or eight. Yesterday? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. That was only 22 last night. It, I thought that was, you know, unreasonable. But but uh, five yesterday? Yeah. That's amazing. That's a hell of a cold front, isn't it? Yeah. Especially before Thanksgiving. That's pretty bad. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, um, and I think I specifically asked both of you assholes before we... <laughs> Before we book this thing, what's the chance of us having any snow there because, you know, airport conditions and access and this thing? And, and, and I think, if I remember correctly, I think both of you guys told me, oh, no, Rip, there's zero chance that there'll be any snow. I, yeah, I think we did say 100% I think, chance I, I, of I, no I, snow. I distinctly yeah. remember you saying that. Yeah. Well, so, there it is. There you have it. So, Did you ever think that strength training would grow this fast and this big? It seems like it's pretty big now. I, I I don't know that it is. Okay. I think that uh, the three of us probably have an overrated uh, uh, impression of uh, what it is since we're in it. Yeah. I mean, especially we're, looking we're, at the scope of the fitness industry. We're going to the scope of the fitness industry of a, as a whole. There is so much more bullshit out there now than <laughs> yeah. I mean, ever has been in the history of the planet. You have people who are claiming to be strength and conditioning coaches who base their entire practice on chrome dumbbells and rubber balls. And that's not strength training, yet it has become so fashionable so rapidly that everybody thinks that's what strength training is because the guys that are doing it call themselves strength coaches. And it's – it's a gigantic problem. You know, we, bitch, really about, we yeah. bitch about CrossFit, but CrossFit's not the problem. No. CrossFit's not the problem. The NSCA is the problem. And all of the permutations of this functional training nonsense that have permeated, and here's the problem. They, those guys are the ones that have weaseled themselves into the popular culture by way of professional and college sports. Right. Yeah. I mean, most of the professional sports teams are using some version of functional training. I would agree right? that yeah. this is a bigger problem. It's than a CrossFit. much bigger yes. problem than CrossFit. The Tom Brady's, you know, the LeBron James, the, their Instagrams where they're doing dumb yes. stuff on these on yoga balls. Bosu balls. Absolutely. And... Absolutely. Some guy was sidelined for a strength imbalance in his shoulder a couple of weeks ago. My God, what kind of insanity has gripped the you know look a guy ladies and gentlemen in the audience a man that deadlifts 500 pounds is stronger than a man that deadlifts 200 pounds and a stronger man can hit you harder than a weaker man and i really do not understand 
what is so difficult to it's not complicated about this it's just not complicated we're not that bright you know and if it were real complicated we wouldn't get it but that's all there is to it and and you'll have people argue with you all day long about strength specificity you know you've got to develop strength in the weight room the way you're going to use it on the field well he can't deadlift no. until he does ankle mobility drills right 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 obviously because he requires ankle mobility on the field right do you know but it, hey if he requires ankle mobility on the field and he plays his sport on the field guess what he develops on the field ankle mobility speaking of right? ankles yeah. steph it, curry you know uh, mvp of the nba Oh God! Yes, he's he's so incredibly strong. He deadlifts, deadlifts. They actually said that four oh five for six with a trap bar. But once, who's the other? Who, who, name another NBA player you've ever heard of deadlifting? Right, and whose fault is that? Absolutely, and who used to have and health problems? Whose fault is that? And doesn't anymore? That, that Steph is, Curry. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is a four oh five for a set of six on an actual barbell is something that all four of us in this room can do with an average male client in about nine months. Every single time. That's because so. yeah. that's not exceptional strength. And the fact that they think it is exceptional strength is kind of interesting, right? And B, since they think that's exceptional strength, what do you suppose they had him do to develop that exceptional strength. Anything effective? He just had good parents. He had excellent parents, as everybody else in the NBA did, and as everybody else in the NFL does, and as every other professional athlete does. They have excellent parents. And the problem, of course, is that if everybody in the NFL is doing functional training, then... The general public thinks that functional training must be the reason why these guys in the NFL are so good, and nothing could be further from the truth. It is a, it is a problem, really, with the education system because we've been unable to teach people the difference between cause and effect and correlation, a fundamental logic problem. They don't understand it. And as long as the strength and conditioning professionals, quote-unquote, can hide behind the genetics of their team, then this problem will not be solved, and nobody will know what the hell's going on. Nobody will know what we do, and strength training, as you started off with, will not be in the mainstream. It will not grow in the mainstream because it is perceived as unnecessary. And as long as we all agree that we're not going to train, we're not going to get strong, as long as we all, all the NFL strength and conditioning coaches get together and say, nah, all right, I'll tell you what, I won't get any of my guys up to a 600-pound deadlift if you won't. Right? And they all Let's go, just agree we're not going to get Sounds fine to me. That sounds good. Let's just agree we're not going to get people strong. Sounds good. All right, let's go drink beer. Yeah. And, and they don't, then, yeah, strength and conditioning is not going to – because how do people in the general culture hear about strength and conditioning? Most of them. Sports. sports, sports, professional sports. Most that's their exposure, right? Because they're sports fans. Now this may be coming to a halt quite rapidly with the, the NFL and, and the, the CTE crisis, the yes. bizarre events of this fall. But I don't think that uh, 
uh, we're making any inroads. No, I no. really don't. I think that there is a small section of this industry that we are having a positive influence on. Well, you like to say that we're narrow. We are narrow casting. Right. We are narrow casting because we're telling people, we're we're telling people things that a lot of them cannot really understand, even though they're simple to us, you know, but most of the population is not prepared to understand what it is we're telling them and they're not interested in hearing it. Why do you think that is? Well, because most of the population has an IQ of about a (laughs) hundred, maybe 105. And what we're, what we're telling you requires the ability to say, you know, yeah, that's not real apparent, but it's, it, it is true. It is true that if you get a deadlift up to 500 pounds, that whether he's more explosive or not, power does go up. How do you explain that to somebody? How do you explain to a person with 105 IQ that you do it by the way 30 that, people every month you, you know to seminar right. and and you know and 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 the death rate and the birth rate combined are working against you yeah in terms of population demographics you're not going to you're not going to penetrate until somebody pokes through the hole and gets somebody in the public eye a lot stronger with just our simple techniques and their performance increases as a result, uh, well, we're not going to make any headway. Now, what I just said, what, what do you hear in the background? What do you hear the listeners saying? Can you hear what they're saying now? Well, what they're saying is, is <laughs> one of these <laughs> the best athletes in the world don't do this barbell squat deadlift press the best athletes in the world what does he know what what is what does this ripto guy know about he's just selling books he's just selling his own books and these guys that are nodding in agreement around the microphones on this podcast are selling training right it's a it's you see what i'm saying do you see how hard this argument is to sell because to if you don't understand the difference between correlation and cause and effect, is it a coincidence that when you get strong, your performance goes up? Or is it, is it cause and effect? Is it, is it, does, it, does, it, does an increase in strength produce an increase in performance? And well, well, if, if it does as is obvious to all of us because we've all seen it. Sure. Right? Why do you not see that in the NFL? Because the people in the NFL don't get strong. They're not trained for strength. And it's not flashy. And it's 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 not flashy, but but no. And, yeah. and we, we this would take a little bit longer than we've got to talk about this, but what you've what you've you've got is freak athletes demonstrating the abilities that freak athletes possess not developing the strength that freak athletes also possess but which can improve right we could take anybody in the nfl i assure you there aren't many people in the nfl that have been properly trained for strength 
you know, there's there are great big linemen in the NFL that could be deadlifting 700 without nine months worth of training, right? That are deadlifting 500 right now. So here's the question: Do they perform better on the line at 700 or 500? Well, hey, think about this now. Think about the the question. Really think. Because the, they're the greatest <laughs> in the world already, and they're only deadlifting 500. Do you see the logic problem here that, that people have got? I do, and it th- it's, seems it's like a- your argument should be made better by saying that we can. This works on the worst population. The people who it works on every population. Absolutely, but if you can show and, it works on the the non the non gifted, that should be what. Yeah. So, well, be. and it, it what we end up who do we end up working with? Novices. Novices. The non-gifted. What we do here in this room is work on everybody that's not in the NFL. Right? So if it works for us, what would it do for them? Yep. Now, can you hear... Can you hear the guy sitting at his house listening to this well, podcast? Rip, well, how many hey, D1 rip, athletes hey, hey, Rip, hey, listen, man. How, why don't you name one guy that you've got into the NFL? See my point? You see the point? It's just, man, it's, it's you know. So we're sitting here, and I understand the guy saying that right now. I understand that. I understand his point completely. He doesn't understand that he's wrong, and he has just as much right to say that he's right and we're wrong. Right? I understand right. that. And until, you know, everybody can understand what we're talking about, we're not going to make a lot of progress. I wish we could, but all I'm saying, I'm not saying don't try, I'm just saying don't be disappointed if we don't because of the obstacles we've got here, right? Right. Speaking of the NFL, something I always kind of want to ask you, and it takes a little bit, it's a little bit of an anecdote, but I once saw a great documentary on Chuck Knoll, the old Steelers coach, and I know mm-hmm. you're familiar. Uh, so he was ta- it was, they were interviewing Rocky Blair, who had just come back, I think from either from the army or from Notre Dame. And he was on the sidelines for the first practice and started screaming about like, before they started practice, like, let's go guys, let's tear them up. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone was just silent. And Chuck Noll came over to him and was just like, we don't do that here. No, none of that raw, raw stuff ever helps. What matters is how you execute and how you prepare. Right. And I'm often kind of this wondering is, this with, is pa- the, this is a job. Absolutely. We're professionals. This is not high school pep rally bullshit. Correct. We are professionals. And oftentimes when I'm around powerlifting and lot, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotional. I understand getting psyched up for a PR. I understand the idea that you have to focus and stuff. But to me, I was wonder. I've always wondered what your your take is on on what's more important, the intensity or the preparation. If your execution is dependent on emotional intensity, uh, I'd say that your training has been focused incorrectly. I, you know, you this has got to just be five pounds at a time. You come in, you load the bar, you warm up, you load the extra five pounds, and you execute the work. And if you have to scream and yell and do a bunch of smelling salts and watch videos of that guy at Alabama jump up and down on <laughs> hammer strength machines and, you know, screaming at the boys, if that's, if that's the basis of your training, you've completely misunderstood this process. This is a process that works the same way everybody 
improves on everything else. How do you learn how to play the piano? You get psyched up to learn how to play the piano? Right. Or do you go in and you sit down and you run your scales and you turn on the metronome and work and do the time, and program the motor pathways? How do you do that? Do you, do you get psyched up to do any of that kind of nonsense? Yeah. No, you know. I think what, he, what yeah. you're saying is that that top set, you had five pounds in that top set, should look almost the same as with the bar sure. executed perfectly five reps. Well, I mean, it's, ide- it's, ideally, right? Gonna, it's going to be slower than well, an yeah. empty bar. What I'm saying is it ought to look the same as it did last workout. Sure. Last workout. And you save all the rah, rah emotional bullshit for the third attempt at the meet. Right. Because everything prior to that is just training. Training depends on a simple process of stress application, recovery from the stress, and subsequent adaptation to the stress. It is not profoundly an emotional experience. It can be, but it, the, the emotional, uh, the adrenaline, what I'm saying, the adrenaline is not baked into the equation. You have to be able to do it without that because if you can't do it without that, how can you predictably come in three days a week, add five pounds to your squat, and make progress? It's not an emotional process. It's a physiologic process. Right. And you, it has to be divorced from this, you know, childish lunacy that, that we see in the gym a lot and all the screaming and yelling. It's just childish yeah. lunacy. It's histrionics, really. <laughs> yeah. It's what it is. It's actually histrionic. Some people, some people call it toxic masculinity, and when I see it, I actually think it's just childishness. It's like, childishness is it's, all it is. It's, it's toxic masculinity's ass. It is histrionics. <laughs> yeah. It is showing off for your buddies, and you guys don't do that. Grow the fuck up. Absolutely. Okay. Um, K, grow the fuck up. Hey, on that note, uh, it seems like more women are getting in strength training. Uh, uh, was that by intention, or did they just kind of fall into it? Or are you surprised by that? I don't think any, any a greater percentage of women are getting into strength training now than ever have. I think that CrossFit has been a, a, a excellent influence on uh, if there's been an increase in the percentage of women. But, you know, if you'll look at uh, we're sitting here right before a seminar that we're doing up here in Evanston, Illinois, how many women are in this group of 30? 10, 15%. That's, that's usually, it might be 20%. Five at the most, maybe? Maybe. maybe yeah, there's five or D- six. Didn't you girls. say that, that in all these years you've had one seminar that was like half, right. half and half? I've had one in, in the past 11 years. We've had one seminar that had half of the people in the room women. But it's, this is primarily a male-dominated thing, and that's not our fault. That's just the way society operates right now. And uh, not all of them understand that strength is strength. It doesn't matter if it's male strength or female strength. It's just, once again, we're back to the, the equation. Who's stronger? 500-pound deadlift, 200-pound deadlift. Yep. You know, why can't women do that too? Well, they can. It's not that they can't. It's that they don't want to. And that's out of my pay grade. Understood. Yeah. Uh, one final thought I guess I have is, uh, is there any better training program than the Texas method? Yeah. There's several better training methods. 
programs at Texas Method. I don't recommend Texas Method as the first intermediate program for most people. Oh no! Hey, Brian, catch up, man. We've I've always said that the uh, four-day split applies to more people and is more easily executed than the Texas method because the Texas method for most people is too goddamn hard. Yet everybody just feels like they have to do it. And that's the last thing that I would put most people on. Texas method works pretty good for a 25-year-old kid who's still living at home and wants to be a competitive lifter and has unlimited time to train and recover because it's time consuming you have to eat a lot you have to sleep a lot not everybody has the luxury of being able to do that so texas method is too hard for most people it doesn't apply in most situations no i would not i've never recommended the texas method first and I, i think that that is a one of the problems that we face with uh with our programs is that people misunderstand several things about them and that's one of the one of the problems that people misunderstand. Would you say that's one of the big ones? I know. I think the biggest ones are the ones that are ish, uh, addressed in my article entitled "The First Three Questions." Right. Uh, because at any given time, who are most people training? Novices, intermediates, or advanced? Just novices. They're novices, yeah. so most of the problems are going to logically involve novices. So, what are, what problems do novices have? They don't have the problem of whether to choose between the Texas method or the four-day split. They have the they have the problem of how do I keep going up five pounds on my squat every single workout. First problem is is that they uh, usually figure out a way to not have to go up five pounds of workout on their squat every workout for three days a week. Right? They completely redesign the program. Most people aren't doing the program. Right. And then the, after that, the problems they have are in simple execution. They don't rest enough between sets. Right. They're taking too big of jumps in between workouts. You know, people try to go up 10 pounds on the squat every workout. Can't do that. And, and then they don't eat enough. They don't sleep enough. They don't get recovered. So those are the primary problems. Texas Method's way down on the list. Right, there's other things to sort out before you start re- re- reevaluating your program. There's nine months worth of stuff to sort out <laughs> before yeah. you start worrying about the Texas method. Right, and you got to run your circumax phase first. Do what? What's that? What'd you say? You got to run your circumax phase first, Rip. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you've got to. Uh, you got. There are bigger problems that we have than the Texas method, and uh, it's highly overrated. It really is a very effective program. For a very small minority of the training community. Yeah, of course. Uh, I know you guys get back to the seminar. Thanks so much for doing this. Really sure, appreciate Brian. It. Thank you. Thank it's you. A big Rip. honor. Very good. Pleasure. Rip, thanks. Any, for any final remarks? Right. No. Philosophical I don't insights. Do, final do, do you want to like sign us well. out? <clears throat> you, I don't know give, if we told give you us the a, name of the podcast, but the name of the podcast is Average Strength. Average Strength. <laughs> yeah. Don't be average, boys and girls. <laughs> Great. Well, now we have to get. See you next time. There you have it. Perfect.